Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode seven of Define Your Exit with Emergent. So this is your host, Marcus Patty. Um, and here I want to bring on industry leaders and experts and really talk about things to maximize your valuation whenever you're ready to exit. Uh, and a lot of this will apply to even if you never want to sell your business, uh, you might need outside capital one day, you might need a loan one day from a traditional bank. And uh, all this uh, all these tactics and strategies will really apply to either of those scenarios. Um, so today we have um, my long-awaited favorite, Anthony Lee, on the podcast today. Um, real quick uh, background to to Anthony. So I met Anthony almost like well, about eight years ago, and uh, we met working in a restaurant, and uh, it was uh, <laughs> we uh, we connected from. Uh, for our general disdain of working in a restaurant, but also just being fathers and wanting to better ourselves and want more for our families in general. And uh, we went our separate paths, like not even a year later, but we, we, we connected again, or I was actually in Missouri insurance adjusting in the snow. And uh, Tony was like, Hey man, I've been doing this thing on Amazon and kind of blew my mind. And that was like 2015, like early 2015. And, um, yeah, we've, uh, I don't know. I don't even know what to say what we've done in the past. So, um, anyway, uh, I'm, I'm really glad to have you on. I've been wanting to do this for a minute. Uh, you're super busy, um, which is annoying, but I'll let that slide. So, um, do a quick intro of yourself and then we'll, we'll kind of talk about what we want to talk about today. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited about being, uh, on episode lucky number seven so real quick started selling amazon in 2014. um that venture took me away from the restaurant and uh i was actually also copywriting for a uh web development firm took me out of that uh and dramatically uh helped my situation uh, so, of course, it was very fun to be able to introduce uh, that whole concept and industry uh, to you, Barkas. Uh, since then, I've worked for a handful of well-known, recognizable software companies in the space, Six Leaf, um, Helium 10, of course, and then uh, Signalytics, and now am a subject matter expert at Canopy Management, which is a full brand management for Amazon sellers. Uh, uh, agency. And so anyway, yeah, I've also consulted for a number of different brands. Uh, and I've been around the block, I guess, a couple times, a couple times, a couple of times. Um, so I, uh, I guess that, I guess the easiest way to get into this is, is we, we, so we just had lunch and uh, I guess the new thing, I guess there's always like this exciting, trending kind of nervous thing to talk about is like any type of Amazon's upcoming changes, right? So um, it's all, it almost seems like there's a skies falling scenario every three to four months with Amazon. Like there's this new change. Maybe it's a change. We don't know because the language is so vague, but it's written by lawyers. So that's on purpose. Um, so, but we were talking about this today. It's like, what does this actually mean? So. Um, I'll let you go into it, but today, Amazon, uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, 
uh, if you go to sellercentral.com and log into your account in the news section, the latest thing in there is Amazon is announcing that there's some new upcoming changes to terms of service and, 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 and basically policies for Amazon sellers. So two things really important is really about search manipulation and something that's kind of new that Amazon's talking about in that language is uh, price fixing. So um, Tony, I'll let you get into that a little bit and then we'll just kind of have a conversation about it, go from there. Sure. Um, so I guess we should start at the beginning. This all started from a forum post in the uh, seller forums yeah. from a moderator, basically clarifying Amazon's stance on things like rebates and search find buy and super URLs. And essentially uh, the moderator stated all of that is considered manipulation against terms of service. Um, but of course, everybody rightfully responded to that going, well, that was a moderator. And granted, they are an employee of, of Amazon. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean anything until we see it in writing in the terms. And then just today, they decided to announce to everybody in their accounts that, hey, they will in fact be addressing manipulation of uh, search rank in, as well as what they're referring to as price fixing uh, in the seller code of conduct. I find it very interesting though that they actually made this announcement. And the reason why is because they've never made an announcement about changes to the seller code of conduct or TOS in the past, ever. Literally, they make a change and then you see it in the terms. They don't announce yep. it. So what I find really interesting is that they're just now today saying as of November 26th, which is Black Friday, they're going to make changes to the, uh, to the seller code of conduct. However, sometime between that forum post and today's announcement, they actually have changed the seller code of conduct because I'm looking at it right now. And there is a new line under acting fairly that I don't recall being there before that specifically states attempting to influence search results by inflating search ranking through keyword manipulation or incentivizing customers searches to appear as organic behavior. That was not there before, right? So they snuck that one in and that's normal, right? We expect that. Yeah, I'm reading this now, but, yeah. But then they decided to go and say, hey, just so everybody knows, we're gonna address this on, on November 26th though. That's really weird. And I don't know if maybe that's because of media backlash. Um, you know, I, I have no doubt in my mind that there are reporters out there that are hitting up Amazon wanting to know more about this because there's plenty that are very interested in covering everything that has to do with Amazon news, especially as it pertains to sellers. So maybe that's the case. Um, but nonetheless, what's happening is where everybody was a little con confused about what this could mean. Amazon is now codifying it into a law, basically saying, no, okay, when we had that moderator post, uh, you know, that was an indication of the direction that we're taking it and, and, and we're making this, we're solidifying it in the uh, terms of service. Now, here's the thing, though, everybody has to understand, they're still going to use vague language, like that line right there, that doesn't specifically say anything, that doesn't use the words, search, find, buy, super URL, rebates. Yep. They're not going to use that language. Even if they update it on the 26th, Amazon's not going to use that language. It's not going to be as specific as that post was in the forums because that's just not how their lawyers speak. Uh, they want to keep it nice and vague because then they can choose to let slide what they want to let slide, which is typically the case for larger brands. If they found Sony doing stuff like this, they're absolutely not going to tell Sony, hey, 
you're suspended. You can't do that. But for the rest of us, they absolutely want to have the ability to look at it and go, hey, this falls under our terms of service. Just because you didn't understand it doesn't mean that it doesn't. And uh, and you get to be suspended for it uh, so that we can make an example out of you. This is just a way that they play the game. But what does it actually yeah. mean? Like, what does this language actually yeah. mean? In my so, opinion, they're going to crack down on all the stuff that that post said. It, that is plain and simple. I, rebate, search, find, buy. That's what they're going to do. Yeah. In my I have my, my, I guess, like my hot take on the moderator is that I think that they had access to some information and they shared it. If you, if you look at that language and you break it down, that wasn't written by Amazon official. It wasn't written by an Amazon lawyer. Um, there's very specific context in there that I'm just like, okay, well, this is their opinion of whatever they saw some policy or whatever. Now, and I've told you this too, like, I feel like there's some truth to it. And you bring up a good point because I didn't notice this until you pull you pulled it up in the code of conduct. So I'm looking at the seller policies and code of conduct, and I'm just going to repeat what you said. Uh, but I want to break this this language down because this is new. Attempting to influence search results by inflating search ranking through keyword manipulation. That is a very vague sentence. Like that's a very vague statement right there. Like th- that could mean so many things to Amazon. That could mean something different to me. Attempting to influence search results by inflating search ranking through keyword manipulation with like all the language that I've looked at inside Seller Central manipulation, Amazon is always referring to basically fake traffic, fake orders, fake reviews. Uh, So what does keyword manipulation mean in all that? So it's hard to really break that down. The second part is super interesting, though, and I think it's leading to something incentivizing customer searches to appear as organic behavior. I think what they're trying to say there is like, it's rebates. If you're going like, and, and, and I'll take that a step further, it, incentivizing a customer search, meaning if I tell a customer, hey, I've got this great product. So there's two, there's two different things about, about this a customer search. If I'm a brand and I have a brand new product coming out, I'm like, hey, that it's this garlic press, this brand new garlic press as far as our kitchen brand that we just launched. I don't think that there's any manipulation according to Amazon. Manipulation is a, is a term that's widely thrown around this the, our industry and, and our community, and it means a lot of things to a lot of people. To me, manipulation is always a negative or a trait, meaning like you're trying to get somebody to do something without knowing that they're doing something. But if I tell my customers, hey, we just launched this brand new garlic press, the best way to find it is to go to Marcus's company, garlic press, and you'll find us on page one. That's not manipulation because you're offering a real product to a real customer and they're actually getting that product. That's how I determine that to me, that search find buy technique. I don't think that that's an issue with Amazon. I think where this incentivizing customer searches to appear as organic behavior is when you are in, this is my interpretation, this is my opinion, and plenty of people disagree, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, if you do disagree, or even if you agree, uh, comment below. So, um, but I think where Amazon is trying, uh, we know that Amazon has been trying to tackle these rebates uh, in mass, meaning like, look, I don't see a problem with, a, with you launching a brand new product and it's like, hey, as a way to launch and, and bring awareness for our new product, we're going to offer it at a certain discount. Every brand in the world does that with their new products for the most part, unless you're selling like 
Air Jordans or Yeezys, like you don't offer a discount on those products. Like, hey, it's just available, right? It's $350. If you don't like it, that's fine. But if you go to like Bed Bath & Beyond and Sears and Dillard's and any type of like any type of new products that are coming out, uh, even on Amazon, they launch new products and they give them out as a discount. So that's not a manipulation. Um, I think when you continue to run rebates for a product for the next six months, just so you can maintain or scale that position and you can't hold that, that position without that type of marketing behavior. I think that's where Amazon looks at is that's manipulation. That's my hot take on it. Um, but there, the, what's, what's interesting about this is like you said, is this is Amazon kind of foreshadowing, like this is going to happen. We're talking about this. We're always going to be vague because the way we can swing the hammer whenever we decide to on any brand that we decide to. And like you said, like they're not going to do this to Sony. They're not going to do this to Bose. They're not going to do this to Nike. Well, Nike doesn't sell on Amazon anymore, but you get my point. Like um, it's vague behavior. It's vague language. And so that means it's super open to interpretation. But I think at this point, they're trying to draw home the fact, uh, I, I think across the board, if you look at this from like a holistic view, like really high level, like, Amazon wants you to build a brand like two years ago, you could just rank a product. You could just really pay heavy for it. It's through any type of traffic necessary rebates, discounts, whatever. Um, Amazon wants you to focus on building a brand building and, and they want the best products in front of the best customers. Um, so I kind of want to talk about buyer behavior too, at this point, because that's, that's kind of the meat and potatoes of everything. Like you can't have, a successful brand on Amazon without buyer behavior. And yeah. so Amazon, and, and for if, if, uh, if you're new to the Amazon space, or even if you're not, like you might not know that Amazon tracks just as much buyer behavior as they do seller behavior. And me and you have talked about this a lot in the past, but I think that, and I'll let, I'll let you, I'll let you talk at this point. Cause I, I will just ramble on, but I think that it's important to understand where these people are coming from. Yeah. No, I um I think that they actually track more buyer behavior than they do seller behavior. Uh I, I haven't released it yet. I was working on a white paper about the A9 algorithm, um, looking at all the available, you know, uh scientific papers that have been written on the technology that Amazon uses for their search algorithm. Um and in it, like it, they even point out that they that every customer activity is marked as positive or negative and they're they're tallying all of this activity up it's way more than what sellers do right they look at everything that a buyer does the page that they come from yeah. how long they lasted there what they clicked on whether they went back or not um just gain because what that does in aggregate is it informs them of how consumers behave in general so it's really important to amazon and and what you said was interesting right because this is oftentimes uh, a point of contention for sellers. You said Amazon wants you to build a brand. A lot of people are like, why? Who gives a shit about a brand? Amazon doesn't care if you have a brand. Why would Amazon want you to build a brand? Because it's all behavioral economics. If you look at everything that Amazon yep. does, right? They change the colors of buttons or badges. They move the position of the badges. They move the position of their paid uh, uh, you know, advertising. They're testing things all the time. And then the reason is because that they're looking for those psychological triggers that make people buy. 
And one of the things that is a psychological trigger is having a recognizable brand. What they don't want is a bunch of sellers where under the seller name, it's like Y-H-T-U, right? Like it's a bunch of letters and you're selling just absolutely random stuff that of course they let that on the platform. Their platform is for reselling. Yep. That's what originally was made for. They're okay with that. But with regard to how they want to scale, they want third-party sellers that are going to commit to having a brand and this and things associated with that brand. And the reason why is because it makes buyers buy more. When there's more trust, when there's more uh, association of positive things with brands that they see on Amazon, they come back to Amazon. They don't shop as much at Walmart. They don't shop as much on Etsy. That's what Amazon wants. This is a long game for them. And so, yeah, I agree. Amazon wants you to build a brand because that is going to help them further. What they're doing is trying to stack the deck. They're going to be like, we have the most trustworthy and recognizable brands than any other marketplace on the planet because that's the kind of stuff that's important to buyers. So, so I agree with that. And everything they're doing is kind of supporting sellers in their ability to create a brand and then they're also curbing manipulation um because here's the thing they actually care about the customer trust and their and the the buyer experience and this is actually something that i was talking with higher ups at helium 10 back when i worked with them we talked about it all the time because you know helium 10 had people come in from amazon and they would say candidly they'd be like you know this isn't stuff that we post on the social medias but Amazon tells us they care about that stuff, that search and browse experience. Yeah. They care about that. Right. And then this all happened. Right. And then elite seller got their MWS pulled. And one of the owners who's a friend of mine, we talked about it and he was like, look, Amazon confirmed when we had our conversations that all the stuff in that moderator post they care about. So it's like, yeah. even if they're not using the explicit language, the point is, is they're shouting from the mountaintop you know, we don't want you, we don't want you using an unfair advantage that everybody doesn't have. So how do they address yeah. that? They, they put it out there and they say, look, don't like that little, that line that we just read together. I interpret that as them saying, we don't want you incentivizing people going to the platform to search, find, buy. Search, find, buy is okay, but you're incentivizing it when you tell them, Hey, we're going to give you your money back. That is when called, that is literally yeah. incentivization. When you add a layer so, to it, even if there's a heavy discount, if there's a rebate to it, you know, if there's a rebate asking for a, a review, incentivizing that review or anything like that, I think adding that layer to it, that's where Amazon's like, wait, hold on a second. Because, and here's, and here's the biggest thing. And we talked about this. We just had lunch and we do this every other Friday. We have lunch and we had, we, we have these type of conversations. Amazon can't control that. Amazon can't control rebates. Amazon can't control external traffic. They're wanting to do that as much as possible for a very good reason. They're trying to protect their brand at the end of the day, trying to protect the brand of Amazon as it relates to consumer behavior. If if consumer behavior trust goes down, then sales go down. My point with that is that Amazon will, and we talked, we, we, we just talked about this too, um, I don't think that this is necessarily the entire reason, but I think that this is a byproduct of Amazon. Like number one, like they want to stay in line with the FTC. They want to stay in line with the government, which is FTC is the federal trade commission. If you're not aware of like the U S um, uh, agencies, there's a ton of them by the way. Um, but the FTC controls a lot of 
sales manipulation. And the easiest thing to the easiest story to portray to describe that is the My Pillow guy in the U.S. Um, several years ago. So it's a My Pillow guy. He sells like the best pillow in the world, whatever. So he was fined a couple of million dollars, or maybe a million dollars, uh, a few years ago by the FTC. And the reason he was fined was because he said, "Hey, they, they had a deal. It was a sale, basically. Like if you buy this one pillow, you get another one for fifty percent off." Well, they had that deal running for like two plus years. So the FTC is like, hey, you got to stop doing this because at this point now, this is not a deal. This is the regular price. So the FTC's guidelines is if you offer a product at a sale, and but it goes on for longer than six months out of a calendar year, that's the regular price. So if you, if you have a product that sells for $30, but you've been giving it away for $15 through rebates or whatever, the FTC defines that as... This is now the regular price. You can't offer this as a sale price. So that's why he got fined. So I think that Amazon wants to align with the FTC as their their rules are ever-changing. So that means Amazon's rules are ever-changing. Amazon wants to stay nice with the U.S. government. Makes sense, right? I'm sure there are typical laws in the U.K., Australia, Canada, and so on and so on about trying to, to circumvent manipulating consumer behavior. Um, at the same time, I think that Amazon is going to ramp up a rebate program because along with this of like Amazon aligning with government regulations, hey, we can monetize this, right? We've got like a, I don't know, a very simple rebate platform that nobody knows existed except for Barkus and a few other people. Um, and we think we could do something. So I think Amazon will come out with their own, they will read, they will repurpose whatever, platform they have for rebates and, and redo it for sellers, but it'll be extremely limited to what you have the capabilities of doing now. I don't think that rebates are bad, just as a as a blanket statement. Um, I think that, again, and I said this earlier, if you were trying to, if you have to constantly push rebates or any type of sale to maintain a position, a search rank position on any platform, whether that's Amazon or Etsy or Walmart.com, that's where manipulation comes in. Because at that point, like your product if your product can't live on its own on a certain page result or a keyword result without a sale, then to me, that's uh, that's a there might not be a, a, a there might not be a market a, a product market fit. I want to counter that. Yeah, uh, I mean, not necessarily counter it, but but support it in a different way. Um, the other thing too, uh, honestly, I'm not sure that they will come out with their own rebate platform. Like it makes sense because they really are showing that they like to you know, wait a couple of years and take tools and, and strategies that they know work and then turn around and, and monetize on them, which is what they're doing with the softwares right now with all the new brain analytics uh, data. Uh, they're basically yeah. taking established softwares and trashing them because they're like, hey, we have the, the more accurate data. You should just get it from us. But with regard yeah. to rebates, it's also a customer uh, perception thing. So if you go back to the um, the joy of ranking presentation, which kind of dove into the relevance ranking engine, uh, you see that the presenter of that openly admitted that the reason why, even though when you do um, when you do a search on Amazon for like diamond ring, the number one seller is cubic zirconium, but you don't find it at the top, even though it's the number one seller, and we know that sales is one of the largest driving factors for ranking. Uh, she openly admits that the reason that that is the case, it, the reason they have mechanisms, and there's actually there's actually a, a reason behind it for the algorithm, yeah. which I can get into some other time. 
But the reason why they put that in place is because Amazon openly admits that, hey, we don't want our marketplace to seem cheap. If every time you search for a diamond ring, the only thing you find is fake diamonds. So with, yep. the same, with that same mentality in mind, you have to think about it. If everybody gets to know Amazon as the place where you go get everything for free or for deep discount through rebate, no, no, Amazon does not want to be that. Amazon 100% does not want to be that. So this action might actually not even be connected to the FTC because this directly undermines Amazon's brand with regard to the best place to find the best products because it makes them look more like eBay and they do not want that. They don't want people no. going to Amazon because that's where you get the cheapest stuff. Yeah. No, I agree with you on that on that point. And 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 that algorithm change makes sense. Like um I still think that Amazon will con I think I mean, I don't even think they they constantly align themselves to the FTC regulations, right? They, I mean, that is been, true. I mean, so I think I think there's a there's a good bit of both. Um, I think that Amazon wants to be a premier marketplace, right? They also want to find the best deals. Like Amazon will, how to put this? Um, if you're selling a product, if you're selling the same exact product, here's a little hack for anybody that's, and this is only for people that are probably doing eight figures or more uh, a year because you're at this level. Um, you don't sell on, on walmart.com and Amazon if you're doing like 10 grand a month. Um, but my example here is this is like, let's say I sell this product and it's doing really well on Amazon and I've built some capital. I want to launch this product on walmart.com. Same ASIN, same everything. It's the same exact product. If I offer it for cheaper, even as a deal, a temporary sale on Walmart, my my buy box, I, I will be suppressed from the buy box on Amazon because I'm not offering it for the cheapest there. So Amazon will, they, they do contradict themselves. Here's my little hack. Little, I hate to use the word hack because it's just a short-term thing. Here's a very long-term strategy. If you are launching, a, if you, let's say, launched a garlic press on Amazon, it's done amazing. It's, you know, whatever it is. You go launch that same product on Walmart, repackage it, call it a different line. Maybe it's the silver line and it's the gold line on Amazon. It's a different, it's a different UPC because what happens is Amazon cannot determine that's the same exact product. All right. And this all the time. If you look in manufacturing at a high level, there are so many food manufacturers out there that manufacture food for different companies out there. It's the same product. It's a different package and it's a different prices, but it's the same taste. Um, and this happens more often than a lot of consumers realize. So this is not a new strategy out there. Maybe a new strategy for high-level businesses selling on Amazon. I hate to use the word. I, I don't like the term Amazon seller. I try to not use that um, because we're all trying to build brands that can live in, in, in the best places possible, whether that's Walmart or our own website or Amazon. Um, so, yeah, I mean – if we if we side with what you're saying is that Amazon doesn't want that, then they also contradict themselves. So, I think there's a little bit of both. Um, Amazon wants the best of both, both worlds. They want they want the best sellers. They want the best consumers. They also want the best price. You can't have all three, right? Well, so, I mean, they're going to oh, try though. They want they absolutely yeah. want the best of all of it. They. The thing is, is they don't want to be known as the place where you get all the cheapest stuff, but yes. at the same time, 
They don't want you going anywhere else. They want to be. Stuff, yes. Right? Like yes. They want you Absolutely. to have to go to Amazon to get everything from Amazon, regardless of what it is that you need. Uh, and I mean, so far their strategy has been effective, but this is just yeah. falls in line with, with the, the continuing need for Amazon to dominate the market. And, and I think we're going to see more of this kind of activity because they're going to become more and more aggressive with regard to trying to get that market share because the marketplace is becoming more competitive. Walmart is still far away from them, but man, are they, they're growing leaps and bounds so quickly. And, and that's got to make some people at Amazon a little nervous, right? Like, holy crap, I mean, what's happening here? Like they have this market share and then, and then they have this last mile problem, right? Because Walmarts are in more rural areas and they don't have fulfillment centers there. And Walmart's yeah. like, oh, we might be able to solve that. And people are like, you know, Amazon's got to be freaking out a little. Like, holy crap, you can get to rural Alabama, where I am, faster than Walmart can. That's a problem for Walmart. I mean, for, so, for Amazon. You for Amazon, yeah. Amazon can. That's a problem with for Amazon. Absolutely. And if you, if you look at this, if you take a step back and, and look at, like, why do people, why does everybody love Amazon? It's only because it's convenient. It's be, it was the first marketplace to two deliver real, real two-day shipping. Yeah, absolutely. Now it's seven-day shipping, but you know that's, an, that's another discussion. So it's only convenient if for most Americans, for our commodity needs, food, toilet paper, paper towels, cleaning supplies, we generally want a very competitive price. We, most of us probably don't want the cheapest price on toilet paper, right? But we want it – so in, in that case, if we want to buy something a little bit more, we still want it shipped as soon as possible. So I think that Walmart is really underserving the entire country in this aspect because, like you pointed out, Amazon – like Walmart has a physical store within 10 miles of 90% of the United States population. So that means 90% of the United States population – is only 10 miles from a Walmart store. Uh, I have been, I've been, I've been bullish on the idea that am like that Walmart two years ago should have started like to aggressively launch delivering products, right? Uh, they like so they just launched it in our area about six months ago, and and, and just for context for everybody watching, like me and Tony live like 20 minutes from Michigan. We're actually at his house right now. We just had lunch. Anyway, um, the Walmart that, li- that is two blocks away from me delivers groceries, okay? It's $98 a year, unlimited groceries. I could have them deliver one tomato every day the entire year, and there's no additional charge, okay? There's no delivery fee. Um, and they're adding certain services to that as they go on. But my point is this, we signed up for that because we have a we have a newborn he's six months old right now but for us to go on our phones and just put in like all of our staple items and they're delivered sometimes within two hours but they're the most within 24 hours it's so more convenient than trying to get the kids in the car and just driving a few blocks to the store and going inside and getting everything it's a matter of convenience like we i'm going to speak for the united states here uh but we we care about convenience more than we do price like we'll pay a premium price to get like to have food delivered food delivery in the united states has exploded in so many different facets and and i think that long term 
Walmart will, will start to edge out on this community as far as like building, uh, taking a bigger piece of the pie. Like Amazon's still the king and they will be the king for a long time, but Walmart's growing. And, you know, we used to make fun of Walmart back in the day. This is a cheap place, whatever. Dude, everybody in the United States wants the cheapest price for the things that we buy, whether it's an iPhone, the newest iPhone, the latest Yeezys or Nikes or whatever, the newest car. Like we'll brag that we saved $20,000 on buying a brand new Suburban, but then we want to shy, we shy away by, oh, I, I buy my groceries at Walmart. It's just kind of like a, you know, a consumerism mindset there, you know, but um, I do agree with your statement that the marketplace for e-commerce as a whole is getting more aggressive because all these social platforms want a piece of the pie. They have so much traffic to them. YouTube, TikTok, for example, like these are just places just to consume content. And they realize these people that are creating content, these businesses, content, they have things to sell. Let's help them yeah. out. And I think yeah. the, the natural, the natural evolution, the next revolution, the next evolution of e-commerce will be who can make checkout as efficient as possible. We've talked well, about this in the past. Before that even gets there, before it even gets there, it's going to be which huge social platforms team up with which e-commerce platforms, right? Because Amazon's trying to do their own thing with their own live and their own posts. But the problem is Amazon's not a social media platform, right? So what happens when TikTok turns around and integrates with Walmart's checkout process, right? You, I mean, you realize how far that would take them because then all you have to do is have influencers promoting anything that sells on, on walmart.com. And the next thing you know, it's crazy, right? What happened? I mean, like they're already doing this stuff with Shopify. The problem there is that Shopify stores are niche, right? Each one is going to be yeah. niche. Whenever, whenever, like I'm waiting for Etsy to, to enter the market. By going in there and like hooking up with Snapchat or some other or Instagram and being like, hey, we want a direct integration with our with our um, our checkout. And then the next yeah. thing you know, everybody's going to be like, who would have thought Etsy is like the second biggest freaking marketplace now because of that? Like, I'm just, yeah. by the way, Etsy, call me. Seriously, you guys all just need to call me. I have good ideas. Walmart, Etsy, the, um... call me. I think one of the, I think one of the smartest things that Etsy has done though lately, and it, it's directly aligns with what you're talking about, is they integrated Apple Pay into their app. So if you're buying, if you're scrolling through Etsy and you find something you want to buy, you just use Apple Pay. Like it's like you don't have to. I think creating an account on a Shopify store these days is a big, big, big block for consumers. Oh, yeah. I just don't want. I don't want to spend the time. And your product, your $25 or $50 product is not worth me spending the next minute creating this account, waiting on your email for a verification. And then, and well, then now I can pay you for this product. It's not just, it's not, it's not it. just the inconvenience of time. It's actually, uh, uh, that gives you too much opportunity for buyer remorse or too much opportunity to second guess whether or not you can trust the marketplace. If you have to go through extra steps to put in your credit card information, to create an account, what happens is you start to think, do I trust this? Do, do I though? Cause I thought I, I really want it, but like at this point, you're not looking at the product. Now you're looking at the, the, you know, the form and you're like, wait a minute, do I yeah. trust this? And it gives you too much of an opportunity to back out. If you, if, if you have one touch and this is, and this is one of the reasons why Amazon got to grow so fast. Remember like after, after they gained everybody's trust and they were like, all right, you're a prime member now, put your information in here. 
click this button. And if you click this button from now on, we're going to turn on one click checkout. Why do you think yep. they did that? Like take cues from the big guy. Why do you think they did Absolutely. that? Because they knew people aren't going to like, it, it's, it's too fast for you to have buyer's remorse for you to second guess it. You're just going to go boop. Yep. Oh, too late. I, I, I bought it. It's not even, it's not even, do I trust this website? It's also like, do I really need this $30 thing? Do I need this $50 thing? Do I need this whatever thing? No, I don't need it. So it's not worth my three minutes out of my life to input this information and then give you my credit card. So yeah, there's a huge, there's a huge blocker these days because everything is so quick. Walmart, Walmart on their Walmart app, if you Walmart plus, like you can literally just use your phone, scan all the UPC codes and then you go to checkout, do one click and boom, you pay, you've just paid for everything. You don't have to, there's no waiting in line. Like you just scan it. It's called scan and go, you scan and go. They're trying to do it like, a, and, you know, and I prom and I applaud them for it. Like they're trying to break down this barrier. Everybody is. Of, oh yeah. They want, but let's get it in their hands and get them out the door as quick as possible. Right. Like it's, it's, it's this thing of like, it's kind of instantaneous gratification, but we're talking about commodities. Like we all need food, you know, we all need cleaning supplies and toiletries. And so like even those most basic goods, we want the the quickest way to acquire those off those things. Well, well, and, and it, it, actually they've done research on this, right? Human beings actually like to shop, which is the reason why we're never going to see the death of uh, in-store retail. We're not because humans no. like, it doesn't matter if you're buying clothes or if you're buying, you know, uh, so like humans like to go physically to a place and be around other humans and and shop what we don't like according to all the research we don't like the checkout process because then it reminds us of how yeah. much money we're parting with so it was very smart for walmart to come up with a system that minimizes the checkout process so that way people are maximizing the thing that they enjoy which is browsing the store and putting stuff in their cart yeah so that so I, uh, if you can't tell right now by the podcast, like I'm a fan of Walmart and what they're trying to do with commerce in general. Um, so with, with Walmart, you can upload a credit card to the app. And instead of getting into your wallet, pulling out either cash or a credit card or debit card, you can just use your phone and scan the QR code that the want you, you it's, it's Walmart pay QR code, you scan it and you're done. So we all yeah. love holding our phones. We don't like holding our wallets or our purses to pull physical money or even a, a, a yep. credit card out and using it. So I like that. It completely aligns with what you just said. Yep. Um, and, that, and, and you know, they do that. I lived in Taiwan for two years. Everything has the QR code. Everything is, is, is uh, yeah. it, hell China, same thing. Everything's WeChat. You could catch a taxi QR code. Boom. Yeah. So easy to spend money like dangerously because you don't touch it. You it, don't see it ever. You don't it's think very, about very You don't genius. think about, <laughs> you don't think about $10 here, $20 here. You know, you think about $500 when you buy a TV or something or that much amount of groceries. Um, I want to talk about one last thing, um, like off topic, but me and you kind of, we, 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 we love talking about this thing is like the social aspect of buying. And I see it growing more and more on, uh, TikTok. Now I feel like YouTube and Instagram are trying to follow suit. Facebook is trying to follow suit, but there's a social thing about live shopping that is not popular in North America. Um, but 
you've been in Taiwan. You lived there for two years. Like I, you know, so uh, on this episode, you're the resident expert uh, for Eastern culture and shopping behaviors. But it's it's not it, it, it's it's normal to, and I think I think the best way to describe this for people that know know what we're talking about is imagine um, you are watching somebody like your favorite brand has a live show and they're showcasing all the beauty products, right? This is how you use these beauty products. And this is how you use the makeup and eyeliner, blah, 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 blah. And you can shop right from there. It's like QVC, but it's, you know, kind of like QVC or, or shopping network. Um, but it's on Facebook live or it's on Instagram live. It's TikTok live. It's, it's Snapchat live, whatever it is. And I feel like that there's, there's, there's an evolution there, an evolutionary, thing happening but also a cultural thing like we're not used to it. like we we're not used to as a, as north americans we're not as used to making a lot of mobile purchases at least uh i would say that i'm not the norm when it comes to like my age like early 40s i love paying for things with my phone i wish more things were on auto pay and more things i wish i could walk into more like restaurants and things and just pay with a qr code i don't yeah. think that i'm the norm i think that like my like you know honestly like like my children and uh, up to the forties, that demographic is really looking at like what's the most convenient way to. Pay. Um, so kind of tell me about your experience in Taiwan. It's just kind of like, as far as just shopping in general with like just a mobile device, but also like what you saw in like live shopping aspect as well. Um, so live shopping is definitely way, way, way bigger in Asia. And I, I really do think that it's not a matter of the fact that people just are more swayed by influencers over there because we had QVC. That's not even influencer drama. Like it was successful in America. We like being. Well, it was because they, they started to get celebrities. Well, yeah. and there's a reason for that. We like being given because yeah. our brains are trying to be efficient, right? We don't want to think too much. We, it's really hard making decisions. We like being given direction. And that's essentially what we're doing here. We're, 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 you know, influencers take the little bit of trust that you put in them and they utilize that to say, hey, we're going to make this decision easy for you. Here are the products and uh, this is what we recommend. And then you go for it. So that got huge in, in Asia. And I think the reason is because there's so much more streamlined with regard to mobile payments. It's just easier. They can click a button. They already know like what's going to happen. Whereas in America, um, we're slowly getting there, but it's just slower adoption because well, for starters, our whole banking system is, it makes it hard, right? Because there's a, a bunch of different, yeah. your bank might might offer mobile payments in a way where my bank doesn't, that guy's bank does something completely different. So the banking aspect yeah. of it makes it really difficult. And then on top of that, like we don't have as many options for online platforms, right? So, I mean, everybody's got their Amazon stuff in there, right? But not everybody has an eBay account. And then Rakuten, like, what is that, right? And then, like, regular niche shopping, uh, Shopify stores, like, well, do I want to give them my credit card? Like, and, and, and so we're kind of slowly getting there. I personally think that whenever mobile payments becomes a lot more streamlined, whenever we start opening up more to the idea that, hey, you can use cryptocurrencies to actually buy stuff rather than just invest, that's going to blow up in the floodgates and everybody's going to be, you know, making mobile payments more. And when that happens, it'll be a lot easier for social commerce to uh, occur because social happens almost exclusively on mobile. Like, yeah, I'm sure there's still people who browse Facebook on their PC, but like 
you can't even look at Snapchat or Instagram on your computer, right? Like these are mobile only, mobile forward, mobile first platforms. So what I saw in Taiwan, other than um, other than live shopping, live streaming shopping, which is very popular, what was really interesting was there was uh, my favorite. Actually, this is one of my favorite stories about e-commerce. So they had their version of Amazon, which is the store called PC Home, right? PC Home dominated. Everybody ordered from PC Home. And then this little startup, not even from Taiwan, I think it's a, I think it's a Singaporean company called Shopee. Shopee is mobile only. Like you can't use it on your computer, just like some of our social platforms. Shopee comes in and just starts freaking destroying PC Home's mar uh, market share, like just eating it up. Everybody's getting on Shopee. Why? Because it's convenient. It's more streamlined, right? Uh, PC Home was like clunky because it's all browser-based. So you're on there on your on your phone and it's like waiting for pages to load, whereas Shopee is like an app. So it's boom, boom, boom. Everything instantly uploads. It's super simple to browse. Yeah. So they just started eating away at their market share. And PC Home got so freaking like freaked out and frustrated by this they couldn't compete so they turn around and they use their friends in government to try and take shopee to court and shut them down legally it didn't work thankfully because that would have been like utter corruption but like that just gives you an idea of like how desperate a situation that was and that's kind of the future if you look at asia oftentimes they are way more advanced than we are with regard to this stuff so that's kind of the future of what you see is going to come down the pipeline. We're going to see more mobile forward stuff. We're going to see virtual reality and AR shopping. You guys haven't even seen that yeah. yet. Wait till that happens, right? Virtual reality stores and AR shopping in real life. Like you're going to see this stuff. Yeah. And that's all going to need to be facilitated through mobile shopping. And so everybody's going to have to start getting more comfortable with putting their payment options saved inside of apps and inside of stores that exist exclusively almost online. And then it's going to be, and that's going to open the door for more of this social commerce, right? You'll see more and more people being able to get on TikTok. They're like, well, I use my phone to shop most of the time. So this will be easy. Boom. I want that. And what you're going to see is video. Like it won't just be live streaming either. It'll be like videos, right? Where like items are tagged and you see some, an influencer wearing a shirt and you go, I really like that shirt. And you tap the shirt and I could just tap this button and I could buy it right now. You're going to see that. Yeah. And it's going to be really interesting. Uh, I'm excited for it. Well, I am too. I, I want to see what I would love to see out of social media. Um, I, I guess kind of across the board. And I think that Facebook is, is working towards this is where let's say there's this thing, whatever it is, uh, I'm watching a Facebook live or Facebook gaming. Like there, there, there's a lot of things that Facebook's expanding into. Um, but basically it's like, okay, cool. Um, I want this new game that this guy's playing on Facebook gaming. You can click a button and it's like, Hey, do you want to purchase this game? And then boom, that's it. It's done. And you don't leave the environment that you're already in. That's the biggest thing is like with social media, it's like we get ingrained, like everybody scrolled through either Instagram or TikTok or Snapchat or Facebook. Um, and you're just kind of mindlessly wandering through it. The worst thing that they can offer consumers is you're trying to sell to them is like, click this button and then you go, you have to load a Shopify page in the Facebook browser, yep. which is worse than Chrome and Safari combined. Like that's, that's just a terrible experience. And then your passwords and, and cookies aren't saved. So you, you have to go in there and you have to create an account 
account or log in and you don't remember your password, so you just bounce because this is not worth it, right? The best thing that they could do is if I'm on Facebook and I'm watching Tony talk about this new garlic press or whatever, I just hit this button. There's a, there's just a highlight he's talking about. He's got the press in his hand and there's just a link, like a little button that hovers over the garlic press and I just tap it on my phone, click confirm, you want to buy it and then it auto, and then it ships to me in a few days, right? Um, that's yeah. the best experience. And that's the and that would be an option it has to go. Yeah, absolutely. Now when that it has happens, to go there. Yeah. when that happens, there will be a slow adoption rate on a certain level, but you'll start to see where Amazon will be less convenient. So again, it like I think all this boils down to who's more convenient. Who's more convenient for commodities, right? So we all need commodities. It doesn't matter whether you make fifteen dollars an hour or you're a billionaire. You need a pillow, right? Okay, yeah. we all. You need a coffee cup. You need a bowl. You need toilet paper. You need paper towels. You need cleaning supplies. Whoever can get those commodities in the in the friction, the the least amount of friction from desire to delivery, that's who's going to win. And that might be Walmart. That might continue to be Amazon for the next ten years. Or that maybe that turns into take like who knows, right? Maybe we'll see influence. Shopee comes here. Dish soap. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like you never know. I'm more shopping I'm gets acquired for that. Shopping gets acquired by Amazon. Yeah. So we'll Shopee will build out a US leg. It gets acquired. You know, that would probably be the that's probably a smarter play. Yeah. So oh man. Uh we could do this for probably another four hours if we had water. Um man, I always enjoy talking to you, um, even off camera. So but thank you for always uh always let me hang out with you it's it's always been uh, it's always a pleasure so real quick if anybody wants to follow anthony because he needs some more talk followers he's trying to get to 100k he's at 97 so if you don't follow Anthony, even if you don't have tiktok download tiktok go find anthony lee 991 is it 91 or 991 is it right 991 that's it on all follow platforms on TikTok. Actually, we need to get into 100 yes absolutely but if anybody wants to follow you, that's how they follow you on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Um, and look, Snapchat, a real Twitter. one minute. Clapper. Yes. Who's on Clapper? I'm on Clapper. Clapper. Weird. I didn't know that existed. You didn't um, know exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, as always, man, I enjoy hanging out with you and talking. And uh, we're, we're going to do this again. We'll have episode two. We'll have episode seven, part two soon. It was a pleasure. Right, Thank you for having me, man.